Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. We all want to live in an empowering home environment that brings out our best. We also want to be able to shape our homes to reflect who we want to be and align them with our behavior and purpose. My guest, Emily Grovner, believes that we can make this a reality with conscious effort. She believes our homes hold limitless opportunities to inspire action and create meaning. Emily Grovner is a certified feng shui consultant, editor of Oregon Home Magazine, and a Fulbright scholar whose essays, features, and commentary have been featured in Good Housekeeping, Marie Claire, The Atlantic, Salon, and Publishers Weekly. As a feng shui consultant, Emily helps her clients adjust the messages in their homes to help them make shifts in their lives. Drawing on ancient wisdom and modern science, Emily will introduce us to a philosophical and practical approach to making spatial shifts in our homes that will help us cultivate a more meaningful life. She'll also share her five-step method for shaping our space so it shapes us back. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hey, Emily, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm so glad to be here. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. I am so excited to talk to you about a topic that interests me, and I assume that it interests a lot of our listeners as well, and that is creating a home space that empowers us and nurtures our dreams. And your new book, Find Yourself at Home, is a helpful guide on this topic. And I have to tell you, Emily, that after I read the book, I made some changes in my in my home and I instantly felt uplifted. So it really does work. I want to know what you did now. What were the what changes? Did I do? You made? Yeah. Well, I removed certain objects from my room that I felt like didn't have any more meaning for me, and I replaced them with Uh, some other pieces that I bought at a furniture store. So yeah, I mean, it just kind of changed the energetic um, configuration. And I just felt different. I just felt different. You know, I just has a completely different feel to it now. That's awesome. I, those are my favorite stories. Uh, It's, it's such a dynamic and wonderful process to be in conversation with your home that way. And the, the cool thing is once you've made those changes, you, you feel the effects immediately. And then 
and then they become subconscious. You just integrate them into your life and move on. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so I really, really enjoyed everything that you wrote about in the book. But one of the things that really struck me is the title, uh, which was Find Yourself at Home, uh, A Conscious Approach to Shaping Your Space and Your Life. So I was curious about why you chose the word conscious uh, and what does it mean to be conscious about our home designs and what does that look like? So I I think that consciousness is important because it allows you to assess your home space, which you've been basically swimming in for, for weeks or months or years um, the more we live in a space, the more we become acclimated to it, the more we stop paying attention to to the little things that are happening. That's that's why uh, being in a dynamic relationship with your space and bring, being open to changing it is so important because your space is is very much a reflection of what's going on with within you. So if you're willing to, take a look at your space and adjust things within your space. It, it, it creates an opening for you also to be more comfortable with the changes that are going on in your life and in that wider world outside. The other thing that's kind of interesting about consciousness is um, 95% of our thoughts are not conscious. So our spaces are affecting us whether or not we are actually paying attention to them. So just going through a process where you can center yourself and take a a good look of what's going on around you gives you an opportunity to um, really figure out, you know, where do, where am I right now and where do I want to be and how can I make the changes to get there? Mm. And I think a lot of us find that hard to do because we're so busy with our life that we kind of just tune everything out, like everything in the background, unless it's really, really getting on our nerves. Like, you know, if you have too much clutter and we're like, oh my God, I have to clear this out now. But, you know, unless unless it's something as big as that, we don't really pay attention. We're not as conscious, as you said, about our spaces. So it's just, I think it's just about taking that time to really sit down and be like, okay, like, do I really like what my room looks like now? Do I really like what my kitchen looks like? Right? Right. And are these messages that I've surrounded myself with, are they, are they serving me now? Are they holding me in the past? Am I holding on to old hurts? Have I found a way to create uh, inspiring imagery for myself within my home space? I think that as with anything else in our our lives, uh, it's very important to prioritize your relationship with what is effectively like that outer energetic cell of yourself, Mm -hmm. right? I think a lot of us, um, I mean, I'm not the first person to say that that COVID was a real eye-opener for people when it comes to their homes. We, We saw it with a massive increase in interest around the home space when everyone was was sent home. I think a lot of people looked around their houses and thought, well, I don't know what I want now, but I know it's not this. <laughs> did you get and a lot just, of, uh, did you get more phone calls during COVID? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, yeah. I, 
they people are just just spending more time uh, with themselves right and and being more inwardly focused as opposed to you know how big am i going to make my life but really understanding how small our lives actually are right and our homes say a lot about us too doesn't it yeah. absolutely i mean i like to think of the home people have different different philosophies about what a home actually is but i like to think of it uh when 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 it feels good to me i feel like it's I'm surrounding myself with the stories that I have decided to live with. And any of those stories that, that you've, uh, that you're telling yourself about your life are, they're able to re be rewritten just the way a room can be redone. You can also rewrite the stories that you tell about yourself. Mm. And that is so personal. Sometimes you don't even realize that, like, for instance, I, I had this friend, I mean, she seemed completely, uh, normal. <laughs> you know, she was relaxed, she was chilled out, she had her life together. Um, she was doing really well in school. But then when I entered her house, it was really, really cluttered. It was mm-hmm. not clean. And it was just, it was a mess, right? And it was, it did not reflect on the outer persona that she projected. And I thought that was so interesting that that just did not align. It's, I think that's interesting too. I mean, I, I grew up in a home, my mom was a single mother and she, uh, she, she's kind of like that too. Like the way she projects to the rest of the world is very important to her. She's always impeccably dressed, always presenting this beautiful image to the world. And, um, you know, when I was growing up at home, it, things were really messy and things were super cluttered. Um, and you know, it's, it's changed over time since she's had more time to, to devote to her home space. Um, but I think understanding that it's almost like those things are, are rubbing against each other. Right now. I don't, I never want to be in a position where I'm like judging people for, for how their homes look. Um, it's there's a certain amount of of clutter that can feel like really charming. Like I know clutter core is a thing now, um, and maximalism is a thing. So for me, when when I go into a space, it's it's very important that I'm not um, projecting certain judgments onto other people's spaces. It's it's more important that I understand what their goals are for their lives and. So for some people, the the mess is is uh, bothersome, and then and then you help them with that. For other people, that's you know that's the least of their worries. The important thing is to uh, really understand that that people are different, and they need to understand themselves in order to set up their home spaces to be um, really a powerful collaborator in their life. Mm, yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. And in your experience, Emily, what do you think are some of the most common mistakes that people make when they design their home environments? Like, what are some of the things they do that really do not serve them? Um, I mean, it's it's interesting. Have you ever noticed, have you ever, like, been in a neighborhood or in an environment um, where someone is basically living in a junkyard and they're the people who have up the signs that say, 
you know, you're on video, no trespassing. Have you encountered that? I have. Yes. And it always amazes me because what I think is that is not a place that anyone's going to want to trespass. They're not putting wonderful energy out into the world. So wonderful energy is not going to be coming at them. Right. So um, there's within the world of feng shui, we talk a lot about enhancements. So, you know, energy is swirling around your home and through your home, whether or not you are, are doing anything. But there are things that, that you can do to enhance uh, your home in order to attract better energy to that front door. And the front door is actually one of the, um, one of the first places I, I usually look, right? Like if someone is looking to make um, a positive change in their life, front door energy is absolutely the first, first place to start. Um, now, interestingly, real estate people kind of understand that intuitively, like they talk about curb appeal, but they think about it more in terms of the commercial appeal, right? Whereas I think about it more in, in terms of, of, of welcoming energy, right? So things like painting your door a really auspicious color or including some kind of a statement planner or like statuary that, that draws the eye. Um, in feng shui, they say qi goes, qi being energy, goes, flows where the eye goes. So just really paying attention to where your eye goes as you're walking through a space can help you make decisions about, about where to incorporate different, different design elements. Um, so okay. that's, it's not really a mistake per se. It just depends on how much you really want to attract that energy. You see lots of people's homes where you can't even find the front door, right? And so for people, for people like that, I read that as someone who is who wants to create more of like a boundary for the, for themselves, right? Whereas someone who's like, you know, I really, I just need to get like the good, good juices flowing and get some good juju coming in here. They're going to be focusing on, you know, am I going to incorporate some beautiful flowers at this front door? Should I like create like a meandering path? So visitors know like exactly how, how to get to my front door. Um, these are all relatively easy things that people can can uh, incorporate into the, to their life um i, I don't okay. think they most feng shui consultants and and people who kind of swim in that space i i've never heard anyone talk about a mistake it's a very mm-hmm. kind of soft and uh helpful practice and there's 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 not a lot of judgment attached to it and that's i think that's one of the most helpful things about it people are so vulnerable about their home spaces some people are are really almost scared to welcome other people into their home because they're afraid of that that level of judgment so i think uh for anyone who's who's wants to empower themselves in their space the the first step is always just really really getting clear about how you want that space to 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 be on your side and to to look at it really lovingly, right? Because in effect, it, how do you see your space is also how you're seeing yourself. Mm. We all deserve a little bit of kindness, right? Yeah, we sure do. Yeah. So, is it safe to say that you should create a space that is right for you, 
as in you should personalize it. Because I know you talk about energy maps and how to create one for yourself. Yeah. So what I think is so fascinating from the world of environmental psychology, I grew up um, and, uh, you know, I learned a lot from my mother about style and about taste, but she is also a very introverted person. So she had a, a very, very specific ideas about what was correct in terms of, you know, how you present yourself and the, the things that you live with and, and in terms of, of your own personal taste. But what we're discovering about introverts and extroverts and everyone who kind of fits in, in that scale from, from this person to this one person is that people are have different levels of energetic openness and different requirements for how much visual stimuli and also oral stimuli and also you know what name whatever sense you want. So someone who's introverted is taking in a lot of information all the time and they need to set up their space in a way that supports that level of introversion. So for an introverted person that that could mean um, introverts tend to prefer single seats as opposed to to couches, right? Because with a couch, you're kind of clustered. Someone can sit like too close to you and you, maybe they're encroaching on your, your space in a way. Um, introverts tend to prefer landscapes and maybe abstract paintings and, and art that is more soothing. Whereas an extrovert might prefer art with people at it, or they might prefer to... Uh, have bolder colors instead of more muted colors. So I think the beautiful thing about, about knowing yourself is you have a lot more freedom to not, not ignore if you, if you enjoy following trends, but, but really pick and choose what you want from what's available on, on, on the marketplace and only pick uh, choices and uh, make design decisions that really support you as you are. Right. Because I think there's that temptation to create a home that impresses others, especially if you're an right. extrovert and you plan to have a lot of parties and, you know, you plan right. to entertain a lot of people. Right. And that's, I mean, that's, that's absolutely great. I, I wonder sometimes though, I mean, I'm a magazine editor too. I edit Oregon Home Magazine and when I when I see everything that's coming on on the market, I when, when you look at catalogs a lot, I look at tons of catalogs and I read all the magazines, and you start to see like a certain type of space being in uh, ascendance. Right now, um, I that space uh, that kind of design style seems like a more minimal. More minimalism is really huge in the design world, um, and so, but I look at those and I I wonder. I wonder is is that design style is there something about that design style that that meets everyone's needs? <laughs> I can't imagine that it that it does. Um but maybe that's that just comes from the the freedom to choose, right? Like people who can redo their home every 2 years or whatever. Um maybe that means that that people who latch onto trends are quick changers who just uh, appreciate being part of that conversation. I don't know, but that, that's something I think about all the time. Mm. So for someone who's not quite sure what design would appeal to them, what do you suggest? What do you suggest that they do? Do you think they should just look through catalogs as you do? What are some of the things that they can do to like 
get creative inspiration? You know, Pinterest just always the the first place that a designer would send you. Like if if you find um, if you've if you're working with a designer, I think their their first step is is generally when when they interview you to get to get a sense of of what you like. And if you can't really articulate what you like, generally a designer would send you to Pinterest with a with a couple of ideas. Um, but beyond that, um, I think some very basic questions maybe are more helpful. I think I even have an exercise in 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 the book where I'm asking you to to choose where you land on on certain dichotomies between like do you prefer bold color or do you prefer neutrals? Do you prefer a personal space? Do you like things a little bit more anonymous? Um, I think just answering those questions for yourself is a good place to start. Um, and then also just really getting creative about where you're drawing your inspiration. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be from, um, from someone else's space. You could also think about it in terms of where do I like to travel? What is my, what is my personal, what is my personal history? You know, more and more my family. And even movies and entertainment for me, like I'm really attracted to like the old Hollywood aesthetics, like the 1940s with all the mahogany and the, the velvet on the furniture. So, I mean, you could be inspired by anything really. Right. Right. It's just uh, getting very clear with yourself on on what you like and feeling really comfortable with with your your own taste, understanding that if you like it, if you instinctively like it, then it's naturally going to be a a good vibe when you recreate it in your space. Mm, That's good advice. So in your book, you write something really interesting, Emily. You say that home isn't a place to escape the world, but instead should be the great collaborator in your life. Can you please say more about that? So I think that I was really responding to a lot of the the marketing messages that we receive around home. You know, a lot of marketing is is fear-based. So, um, you know, within the past decade, we, we've heard a lot about people talking about their home as their their sanctuary. Um, but that, that word really changed for me when within the political realm, people started talking about sanctuary cities. And I started thinking about what sanctuary actually means. Um, so now I feel like I have, sorry, what are sanctuary cities for those who don't know what you're talking about? So sanctuary cities are, are, are places where, um, illegal immigrants won't be prosecuted for, for being illegal immigrants. So it became a big thing. Um, I believe in the 2016 presidential election. So, you know, I started, I started noticing just how safe I actually was in, in my life and just how good I had it. Right. And then I started thinking about how homes when we attribute one purpose to them, um, we're really not giving our homes credit for all the hard work they do. I mean, our homes are really hardworking. We, we, we are constantly collaborating with their spaces. And when set up well, 
they make our lives better. I mean, that's that's basically what every designer does, right? Like they study human and and space interaction, and they make uh, tweaks in order to make it better. So, I really wanted to think about the home as a place not to hide away or not to like shut out the world, but as a collaborative and supportive and of it and supportive environment that can help you really get what you want. Sure. It can be a sanctuary. It can, it can be a safe place. It can be um, an empowering space. It can also be a place where you, uh, where you're interacting with other people, where you're hosting other people. Yeah. Where you're creating things. Cause you have this whole chapter on, you know, uh, on creativity on how to create a home that really um, brings that out of you, the creative urges. So I've been I've been a work at home writer for about fifteen years now. I've been doing it a long time. So when when people um, were all, I, I hesitate to say all because a lot of people were not sent home. But when a lot of professionals were sent home um, during COVID, um, I mean people lost their minds for a little bit because they didn't have the boundaries set up. Uh, they their spaces were not set up for for at home work. Um, and even now, I mean, I, it's something I think about constantly, how to create those boundaries between the workday and everything else that is going on in their lives. So I think the first step is always just to, to realize what's going on, like what the problem is <laughs> by assessing how you're feeling about it. And then instead of, you know, just accepting that, that nothing's ever going to change. I, I like to think of looking for spatial spatial solutions to so yeah. yeah, I mean just you know, looking around your space and saying, okay, this isn't working. There's a power in saying when something's not working and I'm making a, a conscious choice about how to move forward. Yeah, there sure is. And uh you briefly mentioned that Meng Shui plays a big part in in the work that you do. Um so uh, can you just tell us briefly what Feng Shui is all about and how it influences your approach to shaping homes? Sure. So Feng Shui is basically assessing how, how energy moves through a space. It's an, an ancient practice that has been um, adapted and adjusted for any number of environments. People use it in um, in work environments, they they use it in um, in home spaces, and it is there are both practices within feng shui that that seem like magical and a little bit more mystic, and then there are practices that are very easily understood by by Western audiences. And so I, I tend to incorporate a, a little bit of both. Um, I absolutely believe in good design. I'm kind of swimming in that world in my work at, at Oregon Home. Um, but I also believe in the more, um, the more magical parts of feng shui, the idea that here's, this is just an example of, of one of them. And in feng shui, it's very important to have uh representations of all five of the elements i think you actually did a podcast on, on that on i did uh, i did yes yes yeah. yeah so which which is fascinating it's something that that i had never really encountered before um 
For example, I'm a wood person and I'm married to a wood person. We have a hundred bonsai outside. Go woods. So am I. Right. (laughs) Right. So, but sometimes, I mean, we burn out. We absolutely tend to burn out. So Mm. having the understanding that, that some kind of regenerative, regenerative water in my life is going to be important is, is really helpful for me. But within a space, just just understanding that a space feels balanced when it has those five elements has been really transformational for me, right? Um, interestingly, when a lot of people do this intuitively, I'm really fascinated by, by how designers are able to do what they do um, just through their intuition. And sometimes... Uh, I really enjoy going through catalogs and going through magazines and looking at images that feel really beautiful and, and, and wonderful to me, really helpful. And just assessing whether all five of those elements are in those images and often they are right, but they weren't necessarily put in there because the designer was thinking about five elements. It's something that someone who is really kind of tapped into um, materiality and into those visual cues, the power of those visual cues is going to incorporate those naturally. Mm. I actually consulted a uh, feng shui expert a few years mm. ago, and she created a chart for me that I don't know what it's called, but she basically told me what my element is. And based on that, she created a map my home and told me what I should what I should include and what I should remove um, in each section of my home based on the yep. um, customized uh, map the bagua. for me mm-hmm. exactly that's yep. that's what it's called so uh, do you do that as well I mean is that also an, a key aspect of your process? Uh- Absolutely. It's, it's really important. The, um, I love it. I I've always loved floor plans. Like I've loved floor plans since I was, since I was a child, I, I used to visit open houses with my mother um, and I would come back and I would draw my dream floor plan of just like a spatial makeup your, of your house. Cause you can tell a lot about what's going on for, for the people when you're, when you have that top down view. Mm-hmm. So within Within and it changes. Way. It's dynamic oh, too. Yeah. Or or you will have to do it do it regularly. Or what I yeah. like to think of it in terms of of, of the seasons. So uh, it's it's a fun practice to make changes to your home um, just based on what's going on out outside outside your your window. Um, but for me, um, the reason the bagua is so powerful is it create such a an interesting metaphor for what's going on inside your life and it gives you a name that connects an aspect of your life to a particular space in in your house so for example i'm sitting in my travel and helpful people area of my home according to the feng shui bagua there's there's different uh sections there's there's finance and prosperity, there's fame and reputation, there's a place for your love and partnerships, there's a place for 
children and creativity. I'm I'm here and travel and helpful people. The front door is generally your um, your life path and your career. There's wisdom and self knowledge, and there's an area for health. And then the center um, is uh, for your overall well being and and spirituality. So if you don't know if you don't have an instinct of where you want to put certain symbols in your life, the Bagua provides a nice map for, for you to start playing with that symbology. It effectively um, gives you a little bit of, of support in, in making those choices. And it, it also allows you to create a really balanced life, right? Like if you're, if you're in someone's house and you notice that it's all, Maybe it's all images of family. Well, that means that their family is really important to them. That's the primary primary purpose of their life. But say that person has kids who have all gone off to school and left the nest, and they're they're ready to to have room for other interests and other hobbies and other purposes. Um, you know, maybe it's a good time to take down some of that family imagery. And to see where to incorporate other other symbols, other other books, um, sculptures, artwork that that's sending them a different different message about this next stage of life. If something's going wrong too, you can also say, "Oh gosh, I'm really having a hard time with my finances right now. Maybe it's time to clean out my that area and and." Put some feng shui enhancements over there, right? So, in, in feng shui, add a laughing uh, Buddha or those golden coins or a dragon. I know there are a lot of right. There are certain I mean, objects, right, that they associate right. with financial you prosperity. You can do that. You yeah. could absolutely like go full on and acquire those things. But yeah. uh, for me, I mean, I'm a Western European woman, and my family's all from Germany. So, like. Of putting a Buddha wouldn't make as much sense for for me personally, but that's what's so welcoming about feng shui is there's lots of different ways to bring that element in um, that are based on your own personal symbology, right? Like for us, we're definitely wood people, and sure enough, every time we go shopping for for art and you know if we encounter something at the local Goodwill or at a vintage store, we love those those artworks just of, of treescapes, right? So yeah. putting that in your corner is going to be just as effective as as using those things that may not feel authentic for everyone. Oh, I love that you say that because it's like whenever you read books on feng shui, they give you very specific objects like the ones I mentioned. So I love that you say that you can personalize it and that the objects you choose should have meaning to you. It should elicit those feelings of abundance when you look at them. Right. Right. You don't want to look at something and say, oh, that's the thing I put there because someone on the the internet told me that that (laughs) that was like a magical cure, you know, like I I think um, just figuring out what your, your personal symbology is is such a powerful practice. Yeah. Like for instance, I, um, I, I come from the Indian culture and a lot of Hindu mm-hmm. homes, they like to put um, like a statue of Lakshmi because she's the mm-hmm. goddess of wealth. So they, they like to put those statues of her because, you know, it's believed according to Hindu mythology that she helps you attract more money. 
and just abundance in general. So, I mean, that's one example of how it could be attached to your culture. Absolutely. Do you, so do you have one? No, no, I personally don't, but my parents do. Well, and also if you think about like how to update it, like if you're, if you're someone who is like, well, you know, I like the idea of, of having a, a, this kind of statuary in my house. We live in this amazing world where people are creating so many different options. It, say you have like a minimalist space, but you don't want something that feels so so filigreed and so ornate. You can go on Etsy and find someone who is making like a minimalist version of that. You know, like it's, there's just a lot of- That's such uh, a good idea. It is so such much a good freedom, idea. Right? And then it feels more personal and it feels more like you. So Emily, you talk about five steps- that we could use to create a home environment that supports our values and self-discovery. Can you quickly take us through each one of them? Sure. Let me let me think if I can remember all five of the steps. So my, my book yeah. is separated into five into five sections, and those yeah. are effectively the five steps. So in the first part of the book, um, that's that's really my uh philosophy and not just my philosophy but also what in, environmental scientists um and lots of people who have come before me have have said about the home space and kind of that's the purpose is to position uh readers with what we know now and how we might rethink that relationship to home and then in the second part you're meeting your environment again for the second time you're looking at your environment with fresh eyes and you're going through um, the the process to to set yourself up to um, to to change that messaging that you're giving yourself. Um, the third section um, I like to think is all about um, specific design elements that you might want to think about and that you might want to plan for when you're um, when you're changing the story that you're telling yourself at home. The fourth section. I like to think of it as the the feng shui section, but it's also about creating, um, I like to think about it in terms of the aspirations. So we live very unbalanced lives where we, we've, you know, there used to be the, the idea of work-life balance and that people were understanding their lives in terms of their work lives and their, the rest of their lives. Um, but I think feng shui gives a more accurate picture of just how many categories we're, we're, we're actually thinking about. So it kind of takes you out of that work-life paradigm and, and gets you to think a little bit more holistically about how those different parts of your life interact. And then the last part of the book is really about um, taking what you have learned and really figuring out how to how to dream like what what you where you want to take this like don't leave it in the house right don't just make your house and your home life more beautiful and beautiful and beautiful but also how do you leave your home and take those desires into the the rest of the world Wow. Thank you. Thank you for summarizing that. You did that all in two minutes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, I mean, people are listening to this and might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed 
what is one thing that they can start doing like right after listening to this interview? Well, one is getting your book, but what's the second one? (laughs) I mean, I think what I would do first is probably get rid of the things that, that you have negative associations with. That's, that's, that's a good step. There's no reason why you need to continue to live with something that makes you feel bad. It it doesn't matter if someone gave you that thing. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if the gifts from the ex, the dresses you wore when you were out with your ex. (laughs) Right. Or there's just no, there's just no, no reason why you, why you need to keep this stuff around you. It's, it's so freeing. I mean, I think a lot of people experience that when um, they experience that through decluttering, but it's, it's not just about the stuff that feels like it's extra. It's about really assessing all of the objects in your space, right? And um, and freeing up room on your walls, on your shelves, in the corner of your room for for something that's that's better and more supportive for you. Mm, love that. Emily, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for uh, for being here with us and sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much. So Emily Grobner's book, Find Yourself at Home, A Conscious Approach to Shaping Your Space and Your Life is available in all major bookstores. And you can also find it on Emily's website, emilygrobner.com. As usual, the links will be in the description. All right, Emily, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.